wish to be able to open up someone in a raw sexual space, you must, of course, be open within yourself first. Truly, a man must learn to be vulnerable in order to be strong. You think it's the muscles and the cash? Well, hang on a second. What about your raw emotional space? What about when you're in a sexual space with a woman in which that she's presenting walls, she's presenting a shell in which that because of her psychological, sexual, physiological abuse, she's learned not to trust your masculine energy anymore. You might be falling in love with her. You might be realizing this is the woman for you and this is the woman that you want to build a life with. But she remains restricted. If you don't have the skill set in order to be able to manage that restriction, to point her towards her own light, to help her relinquish her darkness, to have set yourself free, to have access to yourself, that is the entire purpose of learning to become vulnerable. It is not so that you can become a mediocre puddle of inferiority or so that you could become this unstable, unreliable, for lack of even more tastier words, piece of shit that just breaks down at each and every single moment. No, that's not what we're talking about here. When we're talking about vulnerability, we're just talking about really a truth, really an honesty, an honesty to seek within, understand within, know who you are to not delegate that responsibility to someone outside of yourself, to society outside of yourself, to place yourself a sense of self-worth and value upon the things outside of yourself, but to realize that all of your intrinsic value exists within, deeply within. And today is going to be about two different stories. One from a client that is just an absolute ripper. It's a psychedelic experience he's been on in a retreat somewhere in the world. And I'm just being anonymous with things. But he had some incredible experience with a girl around a campfire. And I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about a dream state experience that I had recently in which that there were two different women juxtaposed against each other. And I think that's going to provide some pretty incredible lessons. <laughs> that's it. Let's go. This podcast is brought to you by boldojo.com where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to boldojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at boldojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Link is down below in the description or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what i do here so thank you very much and if you do get anything from this piece of content please let me know in a comment down below i'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible and also please drop a thumbs up on the video it just helps the youtube algorithm helps send out the video to more people in the community and if you find that you resonated share with a friend who you think would resonate as well let's get into today's show so let's begin today's session with my client's story of transformational psychedelic revelation I'm going to remain as inconspicuous with the details as I possibly can just to maintain privacy, but he is in his early to mid-twenties, traveled from Australia across the world, won't say which country, in order to undergo these two ayahuasca ceremonies, this ceremonial drink, which acts as like a purging agent in order to access yourself, and also uh, stimulating DMT within yourself, and then also a specific DMT session through Bufo, known as the 5-MeO DMT, which is an inhalation through a bong, smoking that on the third day. So this is a retreat, it's an organized retreat that he went to, and in terms of summing up the overall experience, it was really a fundamental education in accessing who he was, and asking the visions questions. Very vivid, very extreme, lots of pain, and I won't go too much more into it other than that, because the fine focus we wish to place of his experience in today's session is his connection to feminine energy, 
and what he learned about feminine energy, specifically with this girl that he met at the experience as well. But I will start with this because I've got a whole host of notes. On his first night with the ayahuasca, first off, it didn't really take effect. He had the rape shots, which is like an inhalation of tobacco through the nose. And that's supposed to, you know, open yourself up to be able to access the ayahuasca. That didn't work. So he had rape once, ayahuasca one cup, didn't work, didn't work, had ayahuasca cup, second cup, didn't work. And so they had to put a second rape shot up his nose. And that, as in his words, blew the hatchet off. And that's when he was starting to purge and have visions. During this time, and you got to imagine there's extraordinary pain happening throughout this, just crying, just lying on the floor, rolling around on the floor type thing. And it's, if you haven't seen this before, there are documentaries on YouTube. I think Blue Circle or Blue Alpha Circle is one of the first ones I ever saw watching people go through this purging, and it is a scene. So I'd highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out. I myself have not been through the experience. During this writhing of pain that he was experiencing through the ayahuasca purging, he found himself in a very raw and vulnerable state seeking connection to feminine energy. And he had specifically said that he had begun calling out to feminine figures in his life, not only his mother, but also a girl that he's close with back at home. And how he felt that he desired a very visceral, deep sense of connection to them. And even just imagining this, just being with her, felt comfortable and felt calming to him. He also reached out to the female facilitators within the room. And when they sensed he was having a lot of difficulty, they would sit by his side and he was able to rest his head by their thighs and, you know, as they were caressing his soul, his spirit, find himself realizing the depth of what a truly healing feminine presence can bring to a masculine being. And I just want to offer my own relation point towards this, which is that I've never personally gone through any psychedelics in their uh, cannabis, LSD, DMT-like forms. But what I would relate to is probably the being the most transcendent experience of my life is going through a three-day tattoo process, the one that you can see here on YouTube. And I actually made a short film about it called Tatsendence, which documents the whole experience. And you can also witness the pain that I went through. And it was really, truly psychedelic to the point of which that you lose consciousness, you have to let go of who you are. And there was one moment I'm just recalling on day one of my experience that when the pain was reaching levels in which that you can't physically express words anymore, there was another woman in the room. There was another female tattooist in the room. There were three, this is a private, private studio. There were three tattooists in the room, one of them being a early 20s female. She was very feminine. And I found myself in the depths of my pain, even though my eyes were closed, seeking her touch. I found my right hand, because it was my left arm being worked on, I found my right hand worming its way off the bed in a supine position as in, palm to the sky, hoping that she would hold it, hoping that she would reach out and take it. It's amazing when you're in the depths of extreme pain. And I also thought of family members as well. I also thought of my mum as well. But specifically because I knew there was a feminine energy in the room, instinctively I reached out for it. I think that's very powerful. I think the analogy here is very powerful because while I haven't uh, done ayahuasca myself, the amount of pain that he was referring to I can certainly relate to. And when you find yourself as a man in such a raw and vulnerable state, it's incredible how you would like to lean upon some feminine energy, some feminine energy that could potentially help you to traverse this pain. I just really like that there. So I'm going to put that right there for now. So now I want to dive into this specific relationship or interaction my client had with a girl at the retreat. It's going to be a little bit messy in terms of the chronology, so I'll try and go through this slowly, but you're really going to find a a rewiring around sexual connection happening here. So my client had met this girl on the first day. We're going to refer to her as fake name Jenna. 
in which they were waiting for the bathroom. He commented on some of her fashion. They struck up a conversation. And while it was cool, he did feel that she was rather restricted, rather walled off, a little bit defensive. He would come to find out later on in group debrief sessions that it was because she has been abused in the past, in past relationships, and does not allow herself to receive love, especially from men. After their first ayahuasca ceremony, after the whole come down, there was a campfire that everyone was sitting around. He noticed her chilling on her own in a little bit of a corner, and in the location that they're at, even though it's summer, it's very, very cold, and he noticed that she was only wearing a very thin jacket, so he walked on over there, took his jacket and said, I'm not going to allow this girl to freeze to death, draped his jacket over her shoulders, and just sat down. Nothing more, nothing less, no extra words, sat down and stared deeply into the fire. He noticed that she began to cry. He just assumed that this was a part of the ayahuasca effect. It wasn't until the next day where, in his words, I would learn that when they were sharing their experiences, it was the first time that she had allowed herself to receive love and kindness, especially from a man, in a very long time. Honestly, it was a very cool experience. I don't know what compelled me to give her the jacket, but I'm just really glad she accepted it. And it was the first step of her getting out of her shell. Seems very much in line with my vision of what I can bring to others, helping others to sprout fruit on their journeys. Side note, one of the revelations he had during his trips with ayahuasca was in asking the visions, what is it that I can bring to others? And he came across a vision in which that uh, a large brown nozzle was dropping fruits, grape-like fruits onto plants down below and effectively sprouting fruits onto plants. And that was the answer that came back. So here what you have was him demonstrating, embodying the revelation of his psychedelic trip to know that actually he can help others to sprout their own, if you want to say fruits, their own light, their own revelation of acceptance and love, really. It's just, it's so wonderful. It's so beautiful to look at. Uh, uh, This is all transcribed, of course, from audio messages. So I'm actually hearing his voice when he says it and he's saying it with such harmony and it makes me feel so good inside because throughout this entire podcast, particularly the last year or so of content, what I've really been trying to do my best to describe to those of you that seek to engage with women in a sexual space, that that's not always going to come with rainbows and sunshine. That's not always going to come with a girl that has had nothing but wholesome and fulfilling, serving relationships. If you dive and dig your fingers deeply enough into the realm of humanity, you are going to find pain. You're going to find suffering. You're going to find darkness that exists within all of us. And you must be equipped to deal with that. You must be equipped to not run away from that. In fact, in the last bowl sip I put out last week, I regaled a story from five years ago in which that I wasn't equipped to deal with that on a very extreme level. A girl, as I said, a, a, a beautiful flower, despite the pain smoldering within herself because of her parents that were addicted to drugs and how she had to be the sole provider for her siblings. And she just had a very pessimistic view of the world. And as a younger masculine being, I ran away from that because I just didn't know how to handle that. Nowadays, much older, much more developed, Adam is far more prepared to be able to deal with and to be able to set up a space in which that a woman can unravel those safeguards of pessimism, those safeguards of having a dark worldview as has happened within my window right now. It's quite dark within this room and it's quite fitting actually because there is a candle behind me. To be that candle within the room of darkness of someone's psychological makeup, 
that is what we would all aspire to be. I hope that's what we would all aspire to be. And it's something that we can all offer to the human beings in our lives. All right, so let's just sum this experience up for a second here. What you have is a client in which that he struggles with self-accessibility, right? Because I work with him quite deeply, particularly with emotional vulnerability. He's very locked off himself. And so he goes across the world to go through his ayahuasca experience, has extreme pain in letting go in terms of just accepting the fact that he's going to have to let go of himself. So he has to take extra measures within the actual ayahuasca ceremonies, uh, extra rape, extra cups of ayahuasca, goes through so much pain, finds himself reaching out in a state of raw vulnerability for feminine energy, not only for the girl, one of the girls he knows back here, but for his mom. He was also calling out for me as well, which is interesting as a coach. Uh, but also seeking feminine touch from the facilitators within the rooms. So see a seeking, a seeking of feminine energy. Isn't that interesting? In your most raw and vulnerable state, that a masculine being who had such a hardened shell himself around emotion was seeking the emotional touch from his counterpart in feminine energy. You know, not surprising, is it? But still so revelating. Maybe that can point you listening to something within yourself. For those of you that may be a little hardened, whether you are a masculine or feminine being listening to this, think about your hardness. I find this myself interrelating with women who are particularly hard, that are hardened, that are shelled up, that step inauthentically into too much masculine energy. When I can sense that, where is the vulnerable girl here? Where is the the 13-year-old girl that this once was? Where is that seven-year-old girl? And what I'm speaking towards there is that where is the child within you? Where is the inner child that knows a state of vulnerability, that knows an access to emotion that is not predestinedly guarded, shelled away? What are you protecting from here? What are you protecting from? I have a lot of experience myself in dealing with this and isolating when people are, and just being very attentive to when people are, and as I said before, inauthentically stepping into that extra zone of masculine energy. And what I would point them towards is, Find your counterpart. Find your counterpart. Maybe a tactical lesson here for those of you here at the beginning of the podcast is that particularly for those of you that have formed shells, whatever the reason may be, most of the time because of abuse, whether it be external or internal abuse, that a great access, a great doorway towards you finding your vulnerability and your emotions is to experience it in another, to see and put yourself in positions in which that, yes, you're forced to let go, and then have an access point to your counter. I think that's what I was regaling before. And actually, quite beautifully, in the tattoo experience, that it was only on day one and day two that I had access to feminine energy in the room when I was going through my extreme raw vulnerability and depths of pain that I could never describe with words. On the third day, though, was just me with my masculine uh, tattoo artist. And that was very different. That was very much a more of a man man to son, brother to brother, masculine to masculine connection in which that it's almost like a ceremony between masculine energy. But I had largely already overcome a lot of the raw vulnerability that happened within the first two days. I had stopped trying to fight the pain. So anyways, all I'm just putting forwards, putting you towards right there. And how can you do that? For the, are you guys saying, but Adam, I don't have access to a psychedelic experience or a uh, uh, tattoo experience on that level where it's three straight days. It's obviously very expensive. Both experiences are. You don't need to. You can find this in your friends. You can find this in your romantic connections. And this is something that I seek and something that I practice quite deeply in my journey of social dynamics and self-cultivation 
is to see how vulnerable I can be when the space and time is called for. You may recall at the beginning of this podcast that I had described that we don't seek to access raw vulnerability, particularly as masculine beings, so that we may allow a path to degradation, to allow a path to which you become this mediocre puddle of instability. And I have seen this. I have seen people take this concept and malign it. I was going to say take it too far, but it's not just too far. It's it's to actually warp this concept of vulnerability. I see this and I don't want to put a blast because I'm not not here to judge your choices on nutritional uh, favorance. And I'm not even sure if that's a word, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not here to judge your nutritional choices, but it is something I was talking with one of my mates the other day about is that it's a very common thing that you find that masculine beings that end up, it's just, I'm not saying it's all of them, so don't get fired up at me for this, but it's definitely been a common experience I've seen of masculine beings that find themselves on long-standing vegan diets that they, which is actually in the beginning, it's quite healthy that they, it actually starts to align them with opening up to their emotional space. And I noticed a lot of masculine beings, friends that I've had, uh, acquaintances that have got onto vegan diets as masculine beings who were previously pretty, you know, alpha-ish, or the, and when I say that, I mean that in the caricature of it, in which that, yeah, they were putting up a bit of a front. They were a little too showmanship about their masculinity. It wasn't really true, authentic masculinity. Masculinity, It was very much just a show. It was not a core within them. But then as they got into a vegan diet, uh, they started to access a little bit more of the feminine energy within their life, and they started to access music and creativity and more emotional expression, and this is fantastic. And it just so happened that their shift within the vegan diet itself Am I saying that's what plants do for you? Maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to draw hard and fast lines about that, but it's definitely a correlation. I'm not sure if it's causal. But I have seen that masculine beings that continue to perpetuate the vegan diet and they're not doing it necessarily in the most effective manner. They're not they're not getting their bloods done. They're not checking their, their B vitamin levels. They're not checking their iron levels. They're not checking all the different hormones that are going, particularly testosterone, that's going on within them. And what I've seen to be a very common case is that if you spend enough time on a vegan diet as a masculine being, not doing it correctly, in which that you're getting all your health markers checked to make sure your hormonal status is in balance, that you get out of balance. And I find the masculine beings, I've seen this particularly that they just start to have crying sessions on social media. They just break down into, as I said before, instable puddles in which that they just, the best way of describing it is that they will start this video, they'll just put a camera on in the lounge and they'll just start weeping. They just start crying and they just start saying, I I love, I love myself, I, I, I used to hate myself. And, you know, while this sounds good, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's okay, like maybe just once every now and again or, you know, have, have that moment some point in your journey and then move on, get stronger. But I found this to be very repetitious where it becomes a frequent thing, like sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes multiple times a week in which that you see these masculine beings that are no longer masculine anymore. It seems that if you look at the, the energy bars of masculine energy to feminine energy, we each have a proportion of both within ourselves. And I find that masculine beings that's, that I've seen, I've, it's just been a very common pattern. It's not all of them, but I would say it's like at least 70 to 80% of the masculine beings I personally know that have been on it for a prolonged period of time on a vegan diet that aren't doing it correctly. I guess the ones that haven't fallen down this path are probably doing it much better because I'm not here to say that you shouldn't do a vegan diet. 
I personally fall on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I'm on an animal based. That's why I thrive on the most. And that's what I think you should do. Thrive on what you would do, what you think you thrive on the most. But it's when I see masculine beings who have completely tanked all of their masculine energy. And I talk to my female friends about this. And they say, yes, it's probably the most unattractive thing I've ever seen is when a masculine being starts to over imbalance onto their feminine energy in which that they start to, as you described before, and they, well, girls are talking to me, you described before, which they've seen, they just start to write these deep emotional posts, put these deep emotional videos on about, I guess, the consequences of their lives and who they once were. And it just becomes this absolute sap session. It becomes this weeping session. And I'm not saying that there isn't a time and a place to have that, but it's when that's happening all the time. It's when it's just, that's who you are now. And there's a bit of a feedback loop within the vegan community as well that this is a good thing. And, uh, or it might even just be not even just a vegan thing, it could also be very much aligned with kind of socialist leftist move, views as well, which are not inherently bad. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying what I'm seeing, I'm just observing these things. And so, I'm also again, not here to say, like, if you want to be a weeping sad state in which that you have no masculine frame anymore, if that's what you want, then okay. And I'm not here to, again, just to reiterate, this is not a, an attack on the vegan diet. All I'm saying is that if you're going to do a vegan diet, do it properly. Get your bloods checked regularly. Make sure your hormones and your vitamins are balanced, your minerals are balanced. But it is just amazing to me what happens when you have people that over excessively overindulge in their feminine energy when they were once previously masculine, just flipping to one end of the polarity, one end of the extreme, and they fall off the rails, become unattractive. And I mean that in the deepest of senses, not just in terms of uh, want to get laid tonight attractive. I'm talking about wanting to be around this person in general attractive. So to dive back up this bamboo shoot, all I'm saying is to learn your lesson in the opposite, in the contrast. If you are restrictive in your masculine energy, access more feminine activities. If eating only plants is going to help you to get there, okay, that's great, but don't get it to the point of where it's misaligned, where it's maligned, when it's becoming a destructive force. You know, you should have a balance and to check yourself on your energies at all times and any activity on the masculine side, too much porn, that's going to destroy your masculine energy as well. It's going to destroy your concept of feminine energy. So it can, there are many ways of going about this. Check yourself, know yourself. Now, moving towards the dream state experience that I want to discuss with you, this is going to brother quite well with my client's psychedelic transformational experience in regards to what he was able to have a feminine being understand about herself. So, And also how that informs him. It's like you see that you get lessons in both sides. As a masculine being starts to learn to become more raw and vulnerable within himself, he learns more about not only himself, but he learns more about how to communicate with others. And that's what you saw in his ayahuasca experience. Go through pain myself, help others to go through their pain. It's a very simple equation that gets very much overlooked in our current 21st century society. It's like we're always seeking to avoid pain. And I don't mean that in such a masochistic way in which that you're trying to lash yourself. What I'm talking about is that we should actually seek adversity. We should seek adversity in that which challenges ourselves to seek the caves in which our treasure would be found. You know? So let's go to this dream state experience. For those of you that have not uh, gone back through the archives of these podcasts and heard my particular philosophy towards dreaming, I'm undecided as to its final conclusion, but I hear both sides. I hear the side of inception. I hear the side of, the side of accessing a different realm of uh, reality a parallel style of reality, a completely different dimension of reality itself. I hear all that, but I also hear the 
more academic and psychological explanations of a remapping of the subconscious, a integration of your conscious mind within the waking day and to learn lessons to because for those uh for the most coherent argument i've heard about dreaming as to why it's not just a byproduct which is also a pretty heavily contentious within the academic side as to whether conscious whether dreaming actually has a evolutionary benefit or whether it is just a byproduct of electrical signaling whether it's just, you know, for example, the analogy being that's the intention of a light bulb is to produce light, but subsidiarily it also produces heat. And that some people, and there's a part of the academia that will say that that's what dreaming is. Dreaming is just the heat that comes off the light bulb. It's not actually the intention. Right? The intention was just for the body to get rest and to repair DNA, et cetera, repair uh, protein, block cells, all that. But I think it's, the argument against that is actually even more convincing which is that dreaming itself is far too energy taxing for it to be just a byproduct that if you look into i cannot i cannot remember his name if you look into matthew if you look into matt walker who's one of the sleep experts within the world he's been on joe rogan he's also been on lex friedman's podcast uh, he will go into this he's got a, a book as well i believe i have not been into his content too deeply although i've listened to a lot of his podcasts he describes this as dreaming being extremely energy taxing and an expenditure, which of course, evolutionally speaking, if we are going to expend calories, we're going to have to do so for a very good reason. His reason being that it's our process of learning. And that's why if you are tasked with learning an activity within our conscious waking state and you just can't seem to get it, you know, you spent hours of trying to nail this equation or nail this particular piece on the guitar and you just reach that point where you just cannot for the life of you learn anymore. But then you take a break, go sleep that night, sleep on it, as the say, as the saying is, you come back and all of a sudden, it's like you're just an upgraded human being. You just all of a sudden can do it magically, but you, all you did was sleep. He believes that this is what the dreaming is. The dreaming is your subconscious compartmentalizing, taking the fragments of the day, the lessons of the day, and mapping them into your understanding, your unconscious knowing of how to perform that activity. So that's general philosophy towards the dream state which is I feel like I needed to preload you with in today's session so that you can understand why what I experienced the other night was so meaningful. And I have largely in these podcasts gone into quite depth, quite a bit of depth on my dream state experiences because I actively use them to learn. So if you can accept that our dreaming state is actually a learning process, then it stands to reason that we could actually control that, that we could hijack that, so to speak, and have intent within it. You may have heard of lucid dreaming. In order to lucid dream, which basically for those who have not, it is to be aware of the fact that you are dreaming while dreaming. It takes a lot of practice and I would highly recommend going through a stage in your life in which that you get very good at lucid dreaming. However, it's not something that I practice on the daily because it will rob you of sleep because there's so much freak out moments. There's so many freaking out moments where you realize you're dreaming and you're within the dream and it's just, it's very intense. So there's a part of my life in my early 20s where I was lucid dreaming almost every night but now I seldom do it because I don't put the focus on it anymore. The focus that I put on is, is lucid in a way, but what it more so focused on is learning. And the learning is to go in with an intent. So every single night before I go to bed, I say to myself, what am I focusing on tonight in my dream state? What is the lesson for tonight? What is the focus of tonight's dream state? And as of, I think almost for the last five years, it's always centered on love. It's always centered on relationships. It's always centered on me experiencing love and to harmonizing and cultivating a deeper love within myself. 
It's always love, 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 love. Every single time I go into a dream state each night. So it was only just last week prior to me receiving these audio messages of psychedelic experience from my client that I had rested my head upon the pillow and found myself in this giant skyscraper in this luxurious apartment overlooking what to be a urban jungle. You have to imagine New York City with this white ethereal light shining through these massive windows. Imagine 10 feet high, 20 foot long windows, just giant panels that just clear looking out onto this oasis of chaos below you. Within this apartment that I find myself in, there's an open plan kitchen, stainless steel, ceramic, wooden boards. And then there's an open lounge that connects to it. So there's no wall dividing them. It's a giant lounge room, leather couches, big LED TV. And that's where I find myself kneeling down on the floor. And before me is the most beautiful of girls. She has long blonde hair. And very much a rocky, edgy vibe to her. She has dark mascara on. And she is just the embodiment of sexuality. Everything about her, from the tone in her muscles to the way her breasts fall off her chest to the fitness of her physique. The way that she kneels in front of me as if to say, I am the feminine energy that you desire. I see her now in front of me realizing that she's all I could ever ask for in a sexual experience, very raw, animalistic. And so as I lean in to press my lips against hers, feeling the wet touch, the subtle wet touch of her warm lips pressing against mine, she pulls back and I feel sorrow in my heart as a tear falls from her eyelid. At the same time, I hear a calling within my mind and I am transported into a different room within this luxurious apartment. You now have to imagine a college uni student room, so to speak, with uh, a desk and a laptop and uh, folders and books strewn across the floor. And there is a single bed, a girl's single bed, very feminine, pushed up against the back of the wall and it's a very much a kind of, not, not very conducive to romantic uh, lighting situation. It's very... Uh, you know, blue light, very, there wasn't the gorgeous window light coming in before. And so I find myself in this room, like a uni student room, and there's this beautiful, petite Asian girl on the bed. I'm lying down next to her on the bed. She's against the wall. I'm on the bed. And her two elderly uncles appear at the end of the bed. I don't know why they're there. They just are. We have a game of guessing our nationalities. For what relevance, I do not know, but I remember myself trying to work out whether they were Vietnamese or Malaysian, and as I came across Vietnamese, they approved, because they didn't speak English, they approved and go, ah, ah, and that's when they disappear, and the Asian girl next to me mounts me. I'm lying flat on my back on this bed, and this just as gorgeous, but gorgeous in a different way, this beautiful Asian girl mounts me. She's not wearing any clothes. As I wrap my hands around her waist and run my fingers up and down along the musculature of her back, 
You feel how petite she is, how soft her skin is, supple as well, white as well, with long, dark black hair that reaches down to her nipples. She's mounted on top of me. Her thick, thick thighs gripping around my waist. She allows her chest to fall onto mine. Her head hitting the bed just next to mine. So you must imagine two beings in full embrace. Bears hugging bears. As we take deep breaths, hugging each other. My heart begins to blast itself out of its chassis. I feel the most intense vibration of bass emanating from my heart. Boom, boom, boom. It's shaking me. It's so intense. And at first, I had no concept of her heartbeat. Mine was too loud. But then I started to feel her tiny pitter-patter of a heartbeat go mine going boom, 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 and you see the insynchronicity of our heartbeats, but slowly but surely going from boom, boom, and then all of a sudden her heartbeat starts to come in sync with mine, and now you've got these, this completion, this full synchronicity as she's lying on top of me naked, this boom, 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 and the vibration of our hearts sinking with each other, shaking the room, shaking the very foundations of our spirits. No idea who this woman is, never met before as I can conceive in my life. I don't recognize, I don't know her name, I don't know anything. All I know is that as I'm in this embrace, as I'm in this caress, as I'm feeling the feminine sensuality of her naked body on top of mine and our heartbeats coming in sync, I know that this is the most rightest feeling I've ever felt in my life. This is, this is among the most meaningful and powerful sexual moments, sexually sensual moments, spiritually deep moments in which that I am being taught the lesson of coming in synchronicity with another human being's soul, to be in synchronicity with someone's spirit, to feel your heart within theirs, to feel their heart within yours, and to allow that vibration to permeate throughout your concept of life. Upon realizing this, I am transported back to the living room in front of the lovely, lovely blonde girl. I can see she's been crying more. We're back in that kneeling position facing each other, and I'm literally a breath away from her. Our nose are almost nose to nose, and I'm looking into her little aqua eyes that are bloodshot with the tears that had been streaming down her cheeks and the mascara that followed. I had not known why she was crying to begin with. But now, as I start to peer into her, I hear that calling from the Asian girl, from my heartbeat girl, which we refer to her as now. I feel the calling from the heartbeat girl saying, Adam, Adam, come to me. Come be with me. Not just now, but forever. As this voice rang out through my mind, the blonde girl started to cry even more, for she knew that I could not be with her. I felt an incredible sense of sadness and sorrow within me, 
that for one hand I knew that I must cause more pain here, that I cannot be with this blonde girl because I found my match, I found my calling, my synchronicity in feminine energy. And the sorrow and pain that I felt was in not wanting this blonde girl who represented pure sexuality. Let's not forget that, that she represented what I found most attracted about her was how much I wanted to ravage her in raw, animalistic sense. And to have her ravage me, of course. A mutual exchange of animalistic sexual power. But knowing that this could not be my most fulfilling sense or expression of life, that the raw sexuality, while it is important, it is not all things, it is not everything, and that there is much more for me to learn about. So while I, every time I felt a calling within my head, and really it happened in response to me wanting to somehow salvage the situation with the blonde girl, but it wasn't until I just grabbed her by the neck, put both my hands around her neck and looked at her and forced her to look me in the eyes and say, it's okay. It's okay, I'll always be here for you. While we can't be together, I will always be here with you. You always have a part of me inside of you. Her tears coming to a cease. Her eyes starting to open up again. The pain within my heart, the sorrow within her soul, dissipating, alleviating, to a point of white emptiness. You know, a white emptiness in which that both beings understood their place, understood the ephemeral nature of emotions and sexuality between a masculine and feminine being, knowing that there is a time and a place, and that we each have our paths and journeys to learn upon. And so I become transferred and transported back to my heartbeat girl. And I feel just that little little twing within my chest of that blonde girl will always exist within me, a.k.a. the desire to connect on a sexual level with a feminine being will always exist within me. Yet that must be transcended by a connection of hearts, a spiritual connection. And as I found myself back in the bed with Heartbeat Girl, wrapping my arms right back around her, back into that caress, that bear hug, feeling the heartbeat once more, of our heartbeats in total synchronicity, knowing that this is what's true. This is what's right. This is what's good. So let's stay. Oh, Jesus. If there's not a car crash outside, that would certainly derail this podcast. As a younger masculine being, this is something I've been going quite hard on, so I'm quite keen to dive into right now. As a younger masculine being, you are overcome with hormonal desires for sexual penetration for a ravaging of animalistic sexuality between you and your feminine counterparts i believe that's natural and i believe that it's something that needs to be reined in as naturally as it is it's something that needs to be elevated and evolved into an understanding of what you could experience as a human being to understand a state of enlightenment to embody an enlightened state within your sexual practice and an enlightened state within sexual practice is to know the depths of who you are and to find that in concurrent vibration with someone else. When you feel the vibration of another person's heart within yours. Now you I think this is... How is this attainable in a human, in a waking conscious state? 
And that's what I found so beautiful about this entire dream state experience was that it was largely very analogous to what I have experienced in the conscious waking state. For those that are the OGs of this podcast, you have heard me ad nauseum reference stories of where I have sat in a raw, vulnerable state with the feminine being and just shut the fuck up and just allowed her to express all of her inner dwellings, all of the things around her life, the pain, the abuse, the corruption of sexuality that she found with her masculine being. And for me to have just laid there simply, sat there simply, whether it be under the moon and stars, whether it be in the sand, whether it be on the grass and the waterfalls, whether it just be on some Egyptian cotton and you're just finding yourself deep on the rug and you're finding yourself sitting there looking into a girl's eyes as she's almost starting to cry herself, talking about the pain of her life. And to sit in that space, to unravel yourself, to have access to the raw vulnerability within yourself, to listen to what she has to say. For how could you fully communicate to someone that you are there, that you are there to listen, you are there to understand, if you had not already found a key to unlock that place within yourself? It's deeply emotional to listen with full capacity. Listening, as I've described in this podcast, is exponentially more difficult when done correctly than talking. Talking is running forwards. Listening is running backwards. But the more practice you get at it, the better you get at running backwards, the more it starts to become your forwards. The better you start to get at listening, the more you start to listen to people, and the more that you start to listen from a place that is truly emotionally connected the better you'll become, the more natural it starts to feel. And so as I've described those experiences to you before, I don't want to give you the impression that just because you access raw vulnerability within yourself and then allow another to do the same within themselves, that that would automatically lead to a physical sexual experience. You know, if you've got that idea, then you need to rewind because you've completely gone off the road there. A lot of the times it doesn't. A lot of time. How about this? Here's a great story for you. I was with a girl. What was it? About three weeks ago now. Could have been four, three to four weeks ago, where it was our first time meeting up. Like she had found me through social media, and she'd been following my content for a little while. Happened to be in the same location, and she ran in some similar spiritual circles that I have a connection with her down here. And you know, she, we had we got to talking on Signal, exchanging voice messages. We get each other. There's a good vibe between each other. I'm actually pretty attracted to her off the bat. So yeah, I set up I set up our first date experience. Not that I really think of things as dates anymore. And that's actually a really good uh, that's actually a really good point that I said that to a different girl the other day in which that oh, actually I shouldn't even use the word girl, a different woman, I should say. She's way more psychologically developed. For those who are new to the podcast, I delineate between girls and boys, sorry, girls and women, boys and men in terms of their psychological development. So if I ever say girl, I'm most likely referring to someone who's a little bit younger in their psychological development. So this woman I was talking to before about recently was she was saying, oh, she can't wait to go on this date with me or we're going to do this date, we're going to do that date, you know, skydiving, restaurant, etc. Just talk about different date ideas. And I kept saying to her, I had to say to her, I was just like, I don't really think of things as dates. Like I just think of having a good time, just going out, just experiencing each other. And she responded to me by saying, yeah, I get that idea from you. I get that idea that you're just the very goal, the flow, you know, don't label things, 
excessively. And also because I can sense that you have a lot of female connections. In fact, I can probably actually just get the exact, it might even be important for me to get the exact phrasing. I just want to be accurate. I don't want to mischaracterize exactly what she said. So it had just been in response to me saying that, yeah, I don't really think of things as dates, just catching up, being super awesome together, you know. And she said a whole bunch of things, but the end point that I just wanted to get a fine point on, she had said was, you know, I get those vibes from you because you seem to know so many people and women as well. Okay, sleep uh, sleep well, speak tomorrow, love heart with the fire. I think that's very interesting from a social dynamic point of view that isn't that a... You think it might just be a correlation, but I think it's a causation. That's someone who operates from a place of not over-geeking things, not over-contextualizing things to the point of technicality, of which that this is a date, and we're doing this date, and I get her number, and then you know, it's like, and then I had the sex, and you know, the, 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 the canonization of things, the... Uh, when I'm saying that, I'm not talking about like the biblical canonization or the original texts of things. I'm talking about canned shit. I'm talking about things that come in a can in which that is so generic and it's so just stiff and rigid. You know, isn't it interesting how someone that doesn't have a stiff, rigid view of interaction between human beings is perceived as someone who has abundance within their relationships? Do you, I don't. What I'm trying to point towards there is that that isn't necessarily just a correlation. I believe that is causation. I think it's both. It's both. I believe that someone that has learned to find them way, find their way through social dynamics, find their way through interrelating with human beings in a very effortless manner, in a way in which that they're not doing too much. They're not going out of their way to have to orchestrate and characterize things and to have to label things. That things actually flow quite well. Now, for those that know that that was not always me, that was not always my journey through social dynamics. In fact, I came from the complete opposite, hence why I'm here. Hence why I'm actually quite good at that now. Because I once knew what it meant to be the guy that was very stiff and rigid socially, weighed down by the chains of social anxiety, afraid of what it meant to engage with other human beings and afraid of what it meant to engage with himself is the place that I came from. So I 100% understand how you must traverse that journey. I just wanted to tap that in there because it was quite a nice side tangent. Now, let's get back up to the original story. That's what I like about the podcast. I like, I like to talk about social dynamics when we can, when we can fit it in. That's what you guys get here. Get, get psychedelics, get dream state, get some, get some social dynamics up in here. Okay, so it's eclectic, it's eclectic. I'm, I don't exactly recall why I brought up that woman in particular, but the woman before that, who I was talking about going out on a first date with from Signal. Oh, that's why I brought it up because I used the word first date and I realized that actually is not very congruous, uh, congruent with my actual way of thinking about things. So we went out on our first experience, shall we say, and we went for a walk around this uh, lake reservoir, if you will, and it was a beautiful, it was freezing, it was cold, but, oh, no, no, let me take that back. It was chilly, but the sun was out. But it was a nice sunset evening. Sunset was going down. There's, we got to this place where it was very, after a long 30-minute, 30, 40-minute walk, we got to this place by the lake where there's just tons of kangaroos, like 20, 25 kangaroos just chilling, just munching, just munching on grass around us. And we, I, got, I got out of the rug, I put the rug down, we're sitting by the water, and we just start to embrace each other's lives. Now, throughout this, I had known that she had, and most of our conversation had centered on, and this is the point of the story, was her spiritual journey. Because I'm. this is the whole entire point of the story is that we're talking about the lessons from the dream state. So this is 
something that's going to tag in nicely. Don't worry, we'll, we'll draw this all back together. This is an adventure I'm taking you on, so just sit still. Well, don't sit still. Move around if you want, but you know, stay with me. She had been on her own spiritual journey, having been through a lot of abuse, not even just sexually. She had been through a lot of psychological sexual abuse in which being manipulated by her previous partner who was cheating on her and having to rationalize the cheating and she would just let him come back, let him come back, accept his bullshit, accept his bullshit. But then also a lot of other abuse and different elements of her life just because she's a very, you fucking characterize her in the best way I can, which I'd never want to, but just to give you an idea, she's a very sweet, little sweet flower, very sweet flower, easy to be trodden on though. It doesn't, doesn't really know how to set the boundaries, I believe, would be a good way of painting her. Learning more about it now, though. And so, as we're sitting there on the rug, I'm getting her to open up all about her life, and I'm sharing as well, but I'm very, very interested in what happens after understanding all the other stuff, which is important, of course, but to understand the sexual spike, to understand the spike within her field that has a flag attached to it that goes barred off from sexual connection it's sexual connection red flag like don't get anywhere near it don't get any close to it now and i was just getting those feelings from her that while she actually is an attractive girl she's quite an attractive girl i was not feeling the flame of her sexuality not in the way that in the dream state that i had mentioned with both those girls women i should say well i would say actually probably the the blonde girl was more of a girl and the asian girl was more of a woman they were both young, though. They were both in their early 20s. Just talking about the more psychological development I got from them. Anyways, the blonde girl. Very similar. Similar in that way in which that, yeah, very attractive girl. Very attractive girl. Coming back to the girl in the real world now, or back in conscious waking state. But I couldn't feel her sexual flame as the sexual flame I had felt with the blonde girl. That's why I brought that up. So if there's something like that happening within a real experience, I want to understand why. And it's not important for me to have to break down the shell then and there. I just want to at least start that process, start that mechanism. Because otherwise, at least from a standpoint of testing the sexual energy between masculine and feminine, this is the first point of call. This is the port. This is the first port in which the ship must dock to understand who's on, this, who's on board. Are we getting on board or not? To further this journey. There are many ships and there are many ports within the interrelations between human beings. But specifically, let's make no mistakes here. And I've said this time and time and again and again in my content that it is possible and it is always possible to be good friends with someone if you understand the sexual polarity. But you must understand the sexual polarity first. You can never be true friends until you've worked out sexual polarity between you two. Until you understand the balance of sexual energy between myself being the masculine being and this feminine being in front of me here, until I understand how our sexual energy interrelates, I would never be truly able to be her friend because if I always had question marks about how she felt about me or how I felt about her and am I not that sexually attracted to her, but is that because I can't feel her sexual energy? Why would that be? So you got all these different questions here. That must be answered. And once they have been answered, then you can then be true friends. But you can't be true friends if you are sitting there the entire conversation thinking, I wonder, I wish, what if? Right, there should be no ifs, no what ifs, no no wishing. So it's my endeavor in this as we're sitting by this lake with these kangaroos with this girl. Uh, she's got dark hair, more of a European descent. To find out what's happened in her life, and I find out about the abuse, the sexual abuse, psychological abuse in her life. 
and I realized that this is a this is going to be a long, long, deeply intense journey. Deep, deep journey. That is not something that I should press with the sexuality of things. What I'm speaking towards here is the stages of someone's healing. Sometimes you come across women that are on the back end of their shell process. Those that have come out of being abused, particularly sexually, that have formed intense shells, hardened shells, and maybe they've been practicing over three, five years on to reinforce that shell to ensure that they could no longer be hurt again. So they may still entertain a sexual practice. They may still go out on the night on the club and they might go home with a guy. They might have some mutual friends from high school or something, or they might go back to someone from high school and, you know, have a bit of fun here and there, but really it's not that fun for them. If anything, it's really just a masking pattern of the pain that dwells within. For some of them, for some people, it's, as I said in the last podcast, it's a disdainful process in which that they are just trying to reinforce that sex can never be good or benevolent in general. So continue to have disdainful processes reinforces that belief. Sometimes you come across people that have been through years of that. Sometimes you come across people that are just stepping into that. Sometimes you come across people that are just trying to break that. What I found with this girl in particular was that she was in that part of the journey where she's just trying to break that shell. It's just begun. And it's a hard fucking shell. Like it's not going to come off in one in one swing. You got a hammer here? And that is what <clears throat> largely my role is within this conversation in particular. is to be the hammer which with that she could swing to break her own shell. In that analogy, I would like to offer something extra, which is that it's a two-part equation. I'm not here standing here trying to say that a masculine, if you're a, particularly if you're a feminine being, listen to this, but also if you're a masculine being. Actually, even, it's not even particularly. Let me erase that word. It's important for both sides of the equation to understand this. For a feminine being dealing with a lot of psychological abuse and a shell that's formed as a result of it, looking to a masculine being to fix that for you is never going to be a good solution. Right? No one outside of yourself will save you. No one outside of yourself will fix you. That is on you. That is your work to do. And you have all the power you require. You may utilize and lean on other people to act as guidance. Put that within your visual framework that as I'm sitting there in front of this girl, she goes, who has this shell, this ice shell, hardened ice shell from her sexual abuse. And she goes, I am interested first, step one in healing this, which requires a breaking of my fundamental perception of sexuality. I have to break this shell. It's going to come just like my client experienced in his psychedelic uh, transformational experience. He had to go through a lot of pain to get to that release of understanding that I can let go and that is accessible here and now. And then to be able to access the girl on the campfire and to do the right thing in that moment. He had to go through a lot of pain to get to that realization. Pain is our teacher. Pain is our signal. When pain calls, pick up the phone. That I, in fact, need to break the shell and that the way that that's going to happen is in communication with another. And that's really what I'm trying to point towards there, is that the hammer itself, if you're wondering what the hammer is, the hammer itself is the space, is the connection. It's the communication that you would have. And a lot of it is silent, by the way. The hammer is not me espousing an essay of philosophy towards why she should no longer be afraid of sexual experience. That hammer 
is me just sitting there and saying nothing. Being the vessel, being the space for large periods of time. And then to provide reflection when I can, but only when necessary. Only when to say, yes, I hear what you're saying. Yes, that must have been rather difficult. That must have been very painful. But where, what are you, where are you at now? Who are you now? And then I shut up. So it's to reflect back maybe something she had said to find a common relation or reference, but then to pose a question that would lead her to more self-realization. And then I guess in the transcendence of this entire analogy is to one day realize that you know, while she utilized me as a masculine partner to be the hammer, I could only ever be that hammer because she was willing to pick it up in the first place. This is a covalescence. This is a combining of two energies to bring about a resolution and the same goes backwards the same not backwards the same goes back to a masculine example for a masculine being who is as you saw my lord my lord what a tie up as you saw with my client going through the extreme depths of pain of having the rape tobacco shot up his nose that is described as being like set on fire and then going through the ayahuasca where you're purging and you're just vomiting for the, on end. It just never stops. It's a vomit that never stops, like a rain that never ends. And you're just going through all this pain. You're writhing on the floor and you're crying and then in your deepest state of raw vulnerability, he reaches out and calls out for feminine beings, calls out for his mom, calls out for a girl he wants new back, also called out for me, that's all right, I'll chuck that in there, but a lot of the, but weighing towards feminine energy, and even more so, weighing towards the other female facilitators within the room, not the male facilitators, if there were some, or other masculine beings, which I'm sure there were, but the female facilitators, facilitators that would sit next to him just to be there. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that amazing how we have that same tie up here? That in a masculine being's raw state of learning to break his shell, he needed a feminine hammer. Now, the female facilitator and his mom and the girl that he was thinking about and the desire for connection to feminine energy, while that may be ostensibly the appearing hammer that will help him to crush his shell, he first had to be the one to acknowledge that, to pick that up, to make the reach. And so now you find the same analogy in my transcendence experience that when I was in the deepest stage of having to let go of my resistance to pain and where we're t- and when I'm saying this, this is not uh, like, for those of you that are on the podcast that have never seen my tattoo, it, for the three days straight process, it was roughly on the first day, I don't know, like you, and you, in terms of like each day is roughly six to eight hours. It's more hours in the, in the first few days. But to sit there and have, a needle hammered into your body for hours upon hours upon hours. It's undescri- It's indescribable the level of pain you go through. I did my best in my short film on the Eternal Energy Channel. It's called Tatsendence. Just search it up. Uh, you can see it. You, I described the three different levels of pain. The third level of pain, I believe I referred to as the sky dragon, in which that you just lose all concept of self. It's so painful you can't even express words. You just, not only are you having uncontrollable convulsions of your body, you need a 150, 160 kilo man to hold you down. Like that's the amount of pain that I'm going through. And there's just this point where you just have lose all sense of self and time. During that, I reached out for the feminine being in the room, the only feminine being in this room. Isn't that interesting? 
Isn't that interesting that I wanted her to be there to help me during my greatest state of raw emotional vulnerability, that she was a tool, she was a hammer in the way that I am a hammer for other people going through that process themselves. And so while the examples are very different, while the examples are different, whether you're going through a reflection of a journey of your life that is being transcribed onto your body through pictorial visualization of a tattoo that is just incites the depths of pain that you would never be able to describe to another human being. Or you're going through a psychedelic transcendence yourself in which that it's it's not only a physical purging through vomiting, but then you have these visions in your mind or whether you are in a sexual space. When you're in a sexual space and now the dream state starts to flow in in which that whether you're feeling your heart beat against theirs you're seeing the eyes well up with hot tears that start to stream down their face and you feel the sorrow, the sadness within you and then you, you contrasting these emotions back and forward, these different nowadays that they all on the surface seem so unrelated yet at the core, they all feature one particular principle among many but one particular which is that we find our lesson in the opposite. We find our lesson in polarity. We find our lesson when light finds itself in dark and dark finding itself in light, when you find this endless round of the yin-yang and the balance between the forces in this world that make us so, that bring us together, you will find yourself in such a such an elevated state. You find the evolution that you seek and the evolution that you seek could only bring about a positive result for someone else. Surely, as you evolve yourself, you will help others to evolve themselves. As I've said in this podcast, learn to master yourself and you'll help others to do the same for themselves. Master yourself, allow others to master themselves. Shit. <laughs> ah, I'm feeling I'm feeling the endorphin release within my mind. I'm feeling that if you want to call it the third eye, the pineal gland, releasing something of a DMT experience right now. I feel high. I feel not that I've ever taken a psychedelic, but I've reached a lot of high states in my life through different practices, whether it be sex. A sexual experience, I should say, not just the physical act of penetration, but the orgasm of someone's spirit. When you spiritually orgasm, when you're going through the transcendence, going through, you know, a culmination of a journey with a woman to kiss her for the first time, and you feel this unraveling of spirits together, joining as well. You know that those feelings. Imagine all the feelings of your life that have led to the greatest sensorial experience. That's what I feel right now, describing it to you. That's how you know the dream states are informative. That's how you know they're not to be breezed over. That's how you know that while you think you have 16 hours to learn consciously, you actually, you're missing, you're missing out on a good, for if you dig out a well-balanced sleep routine, you're missing out on eight hours of learning. You know, I chalk up a lot of my development to what I learn in dream states. I've overcome PTSD in dream states. I've had many sexual experiences in dream states that have taught me to honor the balance between feminine and masculine energy. And it just this was just another one of those. So now we come back to this overall topic. And I just want to put the marker there. Well, I think I put the marker good enough, but I'll just make sure I did on the girl on the kangaroo lake. That what I realized of her, no, I didn't. I do need to finish this up. And what I realized of her when I realized that we don't need to have a physical sexual connection together because even if she desired that and even if I desired that, which to a part of me I did, she was. We, I think we both agree that we find each other physically attractive. She has only yet to make the decision to defrost that shell. 
And so as a masculine being, it is upon me. As I learned with the blonde girl in the dream state experience, to recognize what is profit here, what is necessary, what is appropriate. To shift the focus with the blonde girl from the sexuality I felt towards her to just grabbing her by the neck, holding her head and saying, it's okay. It's okay that I can't be with you and that we can't be together. And what you're seeing there is that shift of focus that a masculine being should be able to make with relative ease. It should not be hard to be in front of a woman and to realize that she's going through a depth of pain that has only just started to be defrosted within her ice shell and to realize that it is not appropriate to have a physical sexual experience with her here because even if we did, it would be an absolute modicum, an absolute minute percent of what could be experienced with us when she had finally understood what it meant to be her in her true, rawest expression. So I guess the sum point there being, if you're still focused on the sexual penetration of things, you're missing out on a lot. You're missing out on your own development. If you're so scarce to the point where you have to transact on one sexual experience here and now, regardless of the sexual, psychological appropriateness of it, then you're just, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? When did you forsake yourself? When did you give up on the journey of developing into a being of supreme excellence? When did you give up on becoming a parent that would raise a child, that would raise a child, that would help this world become a better place? For surely, if we have not cultivated ourselves, it would only lead to a negative experience for all of humanity. What we do of ourselves should not be taken so lightly. You think it's a private disgrace that you experience in your life to mistreat people, to mistreat yourself, to eat shit food, be addicted to pornography, alcohol, drugs, shit ways of thinking, shit consumptions of content. While you think that's a private disgrace, it's not. Because you have to interact with someone at some point. And so I hope that Throughout today's podcast and throughout these stories that I've regaled with my client, the Dream States, Kangaroo Girl, that if you got anything from this, that there was an endeavor on all parts to understand themselves, an endeavor to understand who you are, an endeavor to utilize your polarity, to utilize the activities and the people in your lives that provide the energy that you don't currently have access to that you have barred off, that you have restrained from, that you have not got enough experience with. And as I said right back at the beginning of the session, in order for a man to be strong, he must learn to be vulnerable. Not to become a mediocre, instable puddle of unreliability, but to become a display of true strength which is an understanding when you are struggling, when you are going through hard, difficult times, when you need to reach out for your feminine partner because you are experiencing intense pain and to know that that is not weakness, but that is a point of strength to recognize that which could comfort and heal you. You find healing, you find comfort in not only understanding who you are, but recognizing the purity and the best of someone else.
just realizing now, the entire reason why I brought up the kangaroo girl story, apart from knowing when to make a switch from physical sexuality to a deeper spiritual sense of what needs to be appropriate here. The whole reason why I actually brought that up, it just so many other lessons came from it, was the stages of sexual healing, which means that you won't always be in connection with that one person or that one person you will not be the final iteration of seeing that journey. What I'm saying there is that so many girls I've come across, girls and women I've come across, well, I wasn't the last guy. And I don't mean the white knight, fairy tale, white picket fence, three kids, two dogs and a spoodle in an investment farm in Tasmania. But I'm talking about is that you won't be the last guy to help see that shell break. But you won't be the last person to swing, to make the final swing on their shell in which that you see the, what can you say, the fireworks, the proliferation of someone's truest form. And you have to be okay with that as well. That's raw and that's vulnerable as well. I think there's a bit of that sorrow and sadness can be felt when you experience that. And I felt that with the blonde girl in my dream state, which is that the reason why she was crying mostly was because we couldn't be together anymore, particularly in our sexual desire. And there is something to be worked with through in that, within that for sure. But it's okay. But it's okay because there will be the next instrument, the next instrument of learning. To recognize that we don't each hold the lessons that the other needs to learn right now. To act with grace, to act gracefully when you realize your time is done. I think it's a very large lesson of that dream state when you look at the transportation between us, how I kept getting transported and the feelings I felt when I heard the inner calling to go back, to go to the woman that I felt the full synchronicity with. The process of letting go is what you're experiencing there. Yeah, it's hard. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be raw to let go of something that provided you with something at some stage, but no longer serves or fits now. That's what's so addictive about protection mechanisms and coping mechanisms is that they serve in some way. You know, if you're afraid of engaging with people, you're afraid of engaging with yourself in certain manners. You you refuse to get in the ocean when it's cold. You refuse to get into a cold shower. You refuse to let go of your junk food or your your habit of drinking three bottles of wine the night or your habit of watching porn twice a day. It's like your reason why you're so afraid of letting go of these things is because, yes, they do serve some form of protection, some type of coping mechanism to help you deal with your existence in this life as a human being. But if only you were to realize that the ultimate coping mechanism exists in the presence of now, to breathe deeply into this moment now, to sit within to who you actually know yourself to be, not the distractions in the facade, not the poor excuse for what human beings refer to as their egos, but the truth of what a human being can be right now. So it's my hope that towards the end of today's session, that if you got anything from this, I don't even sure what I titled this session, but it's about being raw, it's about being vulnerable with strength. Strength and vulnerability and vulnerable in strength. An ideal I hope we would all seek. An ideal I hope we would all pursue as a state of excellence as you're developing your temples, as you're developing on your journeys. 
Have compassion for when you for when you mess up. Have compassion for when you made the mistakes, as I did four to five years ago with a girl that I wrote about in last week's article, in which that I ran away. I ran away because I wasn't prepared to deal with her psychological challenges because of the pain smoldering within herself. That's okay. Have forgiveness for a state of inadequacy, for a state of not knowing, for your state of inawareness. But always seek to push forward. Evolve yourself. And in doing so, help others. I think that's all that needs to be said today. It's been all over the shop. We've been everywhere here today. And I thank you so much. From the depths of my heart, it's yours. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy. Ciao. That brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, it's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation. Free resources of wisdom. Free weekly on my newsletter, Bold Sip. Just chuck your email in. comes out every Friday. That's all available. All the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.